Hey, before we start the show, I want to talk to all you Android users out there, and I want you to check out Podcast Republic. See, it's a fantastic new app that allows you to get all your favorite podcasts directly onto your Android device. Now, this is something that I've tested, and I really like the interface that they have on their app. Plus, it's very easy to go and search for the Terrible Terror podcast and download every episode directly to your Android device. So check out Podcast Republic today, and now on with the show. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. So if you've made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix in a bunch of disgusting and mean pranks and then call it a kid's movie? Why you get little monsters. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. Man, that intro song right there is not indicative of the movie you're going to watch. It's so weird. It's like all like somber and kind of peaceful, but not really kind of sad. What the fuck are we going to start watching? Are we going to watch like My Girl or some shit like that? Like, we know that Macaulay Culkin is just going to die off at the end of the movie. Like, we're already preparing for something really horrible to happen. Instead, the movie is not representative of that. I guess maybe it's kind of like trying to be some, like, wistful and wonderful type of, like, magical music. Oh my god, we're about to watch a movie about monsters. Little monsters. Who aren't fucking little at all. Uh, Well, a couple of them are little, but not the monster that we're introduced to for almost the entire fucking movie. It's such a weird title, such a weird movie. I just, I like, I don't know. This is one of those films where it's PG, but you know, nowadays, this would be a PG-13 movie. In fact, I think they say shit enough times in this movie that it might actually warrant an R rating. Uh, I mean, there is nothing bloody, violent, or anything like that. There's some really disgusting parts, but the language is pretty terrible for a PG-13, or I should say, PG movie. Like, I was surprised, even like watching this film again. I don't remember this. Did I see an edited version of it when I was a kid? Maybe when I saw it on TV or something like that, but 
I begged my parents to take me to the theaters to see this because honestly, it was like, I don't know, it just seemed like it was going to be fun. Like, you see the characters and you're like, man, I, I really want to go and see this. And I had watched Beetlejuice and the character reminded me of Beetlejuice and we'll get into that more later. But I was just like, yeah, I got to go see this. Oh, Fred Savage kicks fucking ass. Fucking love the Wonder Years, man. We got to go make sure we see this. Oh, shit. And Daniel Stern is going to be in this. If you don't know who Daniel Stern is, when you talk the Wonder Years, it's the older version of Fred Savage's character, right? And you probably remember him from such films as Home Alone and Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Um, (laughs) I was just so surprised. Maybe I wasn't very excited about Daniel Stern, but fuck, he's in this. And I got to pretend like I'm surprised that he's in this fucking movie as it is. And it wasn't just a fucking paycheck for him. Because honestly, it was probably a fucking paycheck for him. Um, (laughs) It's such a weird movie, man. And this is weird because we're here, and the reason that I'm even talking about Little Monsters, which for all purposes is a kid's movie, is because I wanted to talk about movies that scared me as I was a kid. And this definitely freaked me the fuck out. And I kept trying to figure out what point did it. Because as I was watching this, I was like, no, it wasn't there. Man, what what was it that made me afraid to watch this movie again? And then I found the point towards the end of the movie. Uh, Howie Mandel's Maurice, not really that scary. Maybe he would have been a little bit, but the idea itself is relatively, uh, how should I put this? Uh, Been done before multiple times, uh, over and over and over again. I mean, I watched this way back in the day when it was called Peter Pan, okay? Uh, Not saying that there haven't been other types of movies, but the base of the story is kind of similar, right? These kids, they get introduced, well, in this case, it's a kid, gets introduced to this magical character. The magical character takes them to this world, tries to keep them in that world, uh, and ultimately has to let them go back. Uh, I mean, it's no hook, um, you know, where somebody's going to go back and he gets to stay in the real world and become Robin Williams one day, which would be a much better fucking movie, but, you know... I don't know if you know my stance on Hook, but it's not a very popular one. Uh, But in general, it's just such an odd movie. Uh, I just couldn't, like, place... Who is this for? Like, what are we trying to tell? There are scenes in this film, why the hell are they in there? It, It is a perfect film for this podcast, and maybe... Somebody might have nostalgia blinders on them, and maybe I had those going into this. But after watching this film, I just don't know if it holds up like I thought it would. It belongs back in my past. That's kind of what I feel off the top of my head, even just watching in the beginning. Now, this is another situation, and I love when this happens, uh, that my wife has never seen this film before. And she, every once in a while, will watch the movies with me. If she really enjoys the movies, like Killer Clowns, that's one of her favorite movies of all time. If not her favorite movie of all time. So she'll sit and she'll watch that with me, you know. uh, Especially when I did the episode for the podcast. And she even helps out, you know, every once in a while she'll make an observation maybe that I don't see. But it's always fun to sit and watch it with somebody with brand new eyes on a film that... Even she's like, why did you like this when you were a kid? And I couldn't come up with a good answer while we were doing this. So 
it's fun. It's kind of like listening to uh, the Cadaver cast, right? Those guys there with his son, a lot of the times, you know, it's introducing somebody with fresh, young, in that case, it's really young eyes, but fresh eyes to see a film that you've maybe seen a thousand times before. And before you get any ideas, do not show your son this movie, please. Keep away. Stay far, far away from this movie. Maybe when he's much older. Uh, not just for, you know, the language, but some of the crap that actually goes on in this movie that we will talk about. Ugh. I really have been dreading, like, recording this episode after watching the movie. It's just one of those things where I just... <laughs> I don't know. I kind of don't want to shit on this movie. It's the first time in a long time because I know at the time it was a kid's film, but hey, I've got a podcast to do. <laughs> so without further ado, let's get in to Little Monsters. So the film starts off right after that really interesting credit sequence, uh, and we have Fred Savage's character, Brian. No, no relation. Um, except for maybe at the end of the movie, maybe, no, 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 I don't think that ever happened, so we'll just continue on with it, but he is explaining that his parents have just moved him to a new town, and he's not very happy about it. We moved here about a month ago. My parents, they said it'd be better for me and my brother Eric. They always say that when they want something. Everything was different. All the streets had different names. All my friends were far away. I was miserable. I hated it. Till I met my first friend, Maurice. Okay, I get it. It's going to be that type of film where you're moving into some place that's brand new and you're going to have to learn to adapt, and then somehow the monster's going to show up, and the monster's going to be the one that kind of brings him into the light, and he realizes, hey, you know what? Living here is not that bad. Okay, I can get that type of, like, I don't want to necessarily call it a morality play, but, you know, you can kind of relate if you've ever had to move areas, uh, if you've ever had to go somewhere brand new and experience a whole new town or lose all your friends. That's great. I, I'm okay with this type of film, but eh, as you see, it's not really going to be that type of film. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I can't hold it in. Uh, surprisingly enough, uh, not only do we have the older version of himself and Daniel Stern uh, showing up and playing his dad, we also have his brother Eric, who's played by none other than his real-life brother, Ben Savage. Now, if you don't know who Ben Savage is... Uh, you might not. I don't know. Depending on how old you are when you're watching this, maybe you watched the rebootish kind of thing of it, but he was the big star of Boy Meets World. And then he came back for Girl Meets World, I think last year at some point, which has since been canceled. Uh, but that's where I remember him from. And he looks super young in this film. It's really odd. So... And it's odd that the brothers are in there. And there's a couple of scenes where I'm like, okay, maybe that's why his brother's there. So we cut to the nighttime and we see that Brian has gotten out of bed and he's trying to sneak downstairs. While he's trying to sneak downstairs, he hears his parents arguing in the hallway. The bigger house, a fixer-upper. I wanted something both of us could do together and you're never here. You think 
think I like commuting two hours to a job I hate? I thought things would be different here. I thought we'd spend time together. You're the one who stopped working. You think I like being a stranger to my kids? I don't know. Oh, come on. I'm not a monster. I'm a man. I'm not sure there's a big difference. Oh, great. Now I'm a monster. Look, I just wish you'd be here when you're here. Oh, okay. Maybe I get it now. Maybe this film is really going to be about, like, the monster is more of, like, a metaphysical type of thing. And it's the representation of the fact that his father is never there because he's working so damn much to make sure that they can afford the place that they want to live in, which is a fucking dump. Uh, We'll talk about that more in just a second. But we see Brian, he sneaks past them arguing about, you know, buying this house and giving into something that maybe they weren't ready for that... He's all of a sudden got to work more hours for because she doesn't want to work. I don't get it. She wants to buy that or wanted to buy this house because it was a fixer upper and she wanted to be the one, I guess, to fix it. So that's why she doesn't work anymore. I, I honestly don't know and really don't give a shit about either of the parents in this film. So as we continue on, we see that Brian's making a sandwich in the kitchen and it happens to be a peanut butter. Hmm. And onion sandwich? Oh, that's that's got to be nasty. I mean, and that's not even sweet and savory. That's sweet and fucking bullshit is what that is. Actually, I do really like onions on certain things. But with peanut butter? How could you put that shit into a sandwich? It makes no fucking sense. And you're a kid. How old are you? You look to be maybe, uh, maybe I'll say around, you know, like, maybe... 10, 11, I don't know, it's fucking Fred Savage, you know, he looks like he's fucking 35 when he was like 9, so what the fuck, I don't know, <laughs> let's say that he's a junior high school student, okay, so I'm gonna put him around 12 years old, that seems like a decent age, so you have the palate of a 12 year old, and you should not like fucking peanut butter and onion sandwiches, but He grabs it anyway, and he goes over to the TV, and he decides to watch some late-night TV that, honestly, again, for a PG movie, is a little risque. My name's Sam Yehey, and welcome to Channel 98 Cable Access, all about chicks. Today, my guest is uh, Lovey. Lonnie. Oh, sorry, Lonnie, right. So, uh, Lonnie, tell me, where are you from? I'm from Fort Lauderdale, but I'm dying to go to L.A. Yeah, right. So, uh, Lonnie. Mommy! What do you think about the world economy? So, that's Ben upstairs, and he's freaking out because there's a monster that supposedly has been underneath his bed. Meanwhile, this TV show that Brian is watching, okay, it's about chicks? Like, okay, so maybe he's a little older. Let's put him in the 14 range. Now, he looks like he's 40. So, he's like Danny DeVito, okay? He's fucking like 14 but he looks like he's going on 45 and that's the way that he always fucking acts in most of his roles and honestly i really loved fred savage back in the day though he was in this movie and another movie which were you know this one at least i think as a child even though i was scared of it i think i liked it but the other movie i knew was bullshit and the only reason i watched that movie was to see the footage of fucking super mario brothers 3 and you know what movie i'm talking about because you know i like it because it's so bad so he and i probably said that wrong But what do you want from me? I'm recording this late at night. But anyway, so 
we we go back upstairs and we see that his brother Eric, played by Ben Savage, has just woken up because a monster has possibly popped underneath his bed. Okay, now, there was a monster in your dream. I was wide awake! Oh, well, it was probably just your mommy snoring. This is no joke, Dad. There was a real monster. Really? Honey, there's no such thing as monsters. It ran in from the hall, grabbed my ankle, and slid under my bed. Under the bed? Uh-huh. Under the bed? Yeah. No, Dad, don't! <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> no monsters. Sick. I guess all the dust bunnies scared him away. Bunny? No, 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 no bunnies, no monsters. There is nothing under your bed. Now, why don't you just go to sleep, okay? Can I have the flashlight? Sure, honey. Would you get it? Holly, I thought we... I'll get the, uh... Flashlight. Okay. Come on, tuck up. Okay, I know this is horrible of me, but the first time I heard that, and even when I heard it back here, and I don't know if you heard it, but I'm going to fucking ruin this movie in Ben Savage for you at the age that he is in this film, but I could have sworn I thought he asked for the fleshlight. Not the flashlight, the fleshlight. And that yet had yet to be created, so I'm pretty sure he was really asking for that. Brian does try to run by when his dad goes and gets the light from the kitchen and brings it back over into the bedroom for so that way Eric can sleep for the rest of the night. He does manage to get by, but he leaves his sandwich downstairs. Now, the other thing that you don't see in the scene, well, you don't see it because you're listening to me, but when he reaches under the bed, so like... Uh, Daniel Stern, the father, reaches into the bed to see if he can get the monster, and he pretends, oh my god, my arm got stuck, and then what does he pull out from there but his kid's drawers, like nasty, dirty-ass drawers, and then he throws them right in the face of Eric, like, what the fuck, why would you do that to your kid, if it was a sock, I kinda get it, okay, pair of pants, okay, but fucking pair of underwear underneath the bed and a kid that is like that young, there's bound to be some fucking Hershey squirts that were left in that piece of underwear that you're throwing in your son's face, okay? There are mud tracks in there. You know this. There's also probably a little bit of yellow snow in the front of the goddamn underwear too. So you're basically throwing this like heap like nasty bacteria filled stuff right in your son's face. But then I realized... This was the 80s. So, it's totally cool. Go ahead and do that. What am I fucking worrying about? You don't live in my day right now. If I did that to my fucking son, which I don't have, uh, I'd probably be arrested the moment that it left my hands. So, hey, you know what? 80s Daniel Stern, go ahead. Keep shoving that shit-filled underwear right in your son's face. So he goes out and he gets the flashlight. He does a little monster thing. Brian manages to get, get back into the room. And then next morning, he comes downstairs, and his father approaches him about why he was up late last night. Hi, honey. Whatever you watched on TV last night was worth your allowance and two weeks of TV. Huh? Huh? We found the sandwich, Brian. What sandwich? Brian, Arthur Stevenson, you are the only person in this family who eats peanut butter and onion sandwiches. You think every time you get caught, you can just lie your way out of it? plumber's coming next week. Great. I can leave them all these dishes. 
Just keep telling yourself it's our dream house. Dream house. It's our dream house. It's our dream house. Dead, mister. Hey, I didn't do anything. Just like the sandwich? Oh, all right, fine. I admit, I did have a sandwich, but I did not have any ice cream. Why do you always blame everything on me? Hey, well, somebody puts scuff marks on the door, kicking them open, and somebody puts gum under the table. Ryan, you are old enough to know the difference between right and wrong. Why don't you start acting it? Yeah, Brian, why do you gotta be such a dick and fucking give Brian's a bad fucking name? I mean, I really don't know right from wrong, and I'm however old I fucking am. I'm not gonna tell you how fucking old I am. Screw you guys. But, (laughs) honestly, like, he... He just can't cop to it because he's a little kid, right? So he doesn't think the rules fucking apply to him. So he thinks he can get away with it like most kids do. And of course he has to give in. But we know that he didn't do the ice cream thing because we were never shown that, right? We were shown him making the disgusting fucking sandwich. But he never got into the ice cream. And for some reason it ended up in the cabinet. And when he reached in the cabinet, it fell right on top of him. I'm also not sure what he was going for in the cabinet Because if he was going for, like, a coffee mug, I think there was one right in front of him. So, reasons why, I don't know, other than he has to have the ice cream fall on top of him. His mother kind of calms him down, says, look, your dad's under a lot of stress, and he's got to work a lot, and this house, while being a giant fucking piece of shit where the water doesn't fucking work, and the drywall's falling off the fucking walls, hey, this looks like a house you could buy in California for, like, $700,000 or some shit like that. Man, it is a quote-unquote fixer-upper and needs tender love and care, but it's going to break your fucking bang for you at the same fucking time. So, of course, he's got to work a lot. This is not California because that home actually probably is relatively affordable, and they're only going to have to put a little bit of money in there to fix everything that's going wrong with it. But for the time being, they ain't got any fucking water for her to do dishes, so house is a piece of shit. Meanwhile, outside, Dad decides that he's going to go drive off and go to the work today, but instead, he runs into the bike, and he yells out to Brian. My bike! You ain't over it! My car! Whose fault is this, Brian? Uh Uh-uh, no way! I parked it right over there, right there! Oh, right, right. So before I got in the car, I went around and put the bike there myself? Forget it, Charlie. First my shirt, now this. I'm 15 minutes late here. What do you expect me to do with my bike? Well, you're going to have to learn to ride it like that. You're grounded for two weeks, no TV for three, and you can forget about your allowance till that car is paid up. Lynn, isn't that a little rough? Holly, don't make me the villain here. So, Dad, you mean to tell me that my bike is running, your car has a little dent in it, I'm being punished? That's not fair. Somebody put it there, Brian. Yeah, somebody put it there, and it's you, you little fucking New York, almost New York accent-having wannabe motherfucker. Honestly, like... How does he not know that the bike wasn't there? Like, you were looking to back up. He put it in, like, the perfect position so that way, oh, hey, I'm going to mess up Dad's car. But it happens to be at, like, the driver's side taillight. When you look at it on the ground, he ran over it with the driver's side rear tire. So if he looked out the window and he looked back as he was backing up, he would have seen the fucking bike and he wouldn't have hit the fucking bike. So I kind of do blame dad at the same time that, again, because we didn't see him do it, 
Even though, you know, kids, sometimes they leave shit out and they don't fucking pick up their clothes all the fucking time and just leave it all over the ground. Well, I don't really know, but you out there with kids know that kids don't always do what they're told. So I can imagine that, yeah, maybe he did that earlier during the day. But again, we're not shown these things, so we don't know, you know, who to believe. We kind of have to rely on Brian to be our eyes and ears for this scene because we're only really following him for most of the movie. So if we don't see him do it we can kind of safely say that he didn't actually do it. But then again, since he's not necessarily a trustworthy narrator, we don't know, and he's not really a fucking narrator at all, because he only narrates the beginning of the fucking film. But we don't know if we can trust him if he actually didn't do it, right? So, right now, as a viewer, we can kind of assume that, you know, maybe he did, and... Really, is that punishment that harsh? I mean, why does she have to, like, let up on him? And that's why he basically is able to yell at his fucking father. Like, honestly, did you get to yell at your dad? If I ever raised my voice to my father, my mother would let me have it. Like, that was the way that everything went. I would never be like Brian here in this situation. Just yelling back at your dad. That's a spoiled fucking brat, okay? Maybe, and I don't advocate it, but sometimes it's not the, you know worst idea in the world but maybe you just need to be fucking slapped across the face just once and you don't have to take away his money you don't have to ground him you don't have to take away his nintendo but then he might try to run away to california nope different movie uh but honestly you don't do these things to him like maybe maybe if you ever thought about it maybe a kid like this not saying every kid but maybe a kid like this just needs Small little, and then everything will be okay. But, of course, you know, he ends up having to catch up with his brother Ben and Ben's friend Todd on the school bus. But on the way, we actually see uh, Eric and Todd. They are talking about, basically, the monster that Eric found underneath his bed. And it didn't slime you. You sure? Sure, I'm sure. I think I'd know if I was slapped. And it didn't go into the closet? You know, like to rip something off? Nope. What about your desk? It didn't do your geography homework, did it? Look, Tad, I never would have told you about this, but... Okay, all right. So, this is an exclusively under-the-bed phenomenon we're dealing with here. That's right, exclusively under my bed. So they get onto the school bus, and shortly after, Brian joins them at the last possible minute before the bus doors close. Well, actually, they kind of do close, and luckily the bus driver is nice enough to open them up again for him. See, since his bike has been destroyed by his dad, and his wheel was fucking popped off, there's no way that he can ride it to school, so he has to travel with the rest of the plebes and go on the school bus, and hopefully that the bus doesn't crash somewhere, because everybody knows there are no goddamn seatbelts on any of those fucking buses we rode in the 80s. And at the next stop, they pick up the bully of the film, Ronnie, who, before this happens, Brian actually does nick Eric in the head, which leads me to believe that that might be the reason why, you know, Ben Savage was actually in the movie, because if Fred went and did that to some other, like, little kid actor, that maybe he would have been kicked off the set, and that would have been it. But okay, it's your brother, you can go ahead and punch him in the face if you fucking want to. And as punishment for basically, because Brian believes that... You know, Eric is the one that left the bike outside, 
and because he didn't do it, of course. And for that, he takes his lunch and he throws it out the window. Once again, way to be a dick and way to rep- misrepresent all other fucking Brians, you asshole. So when he does that, he accidentally hits Ronnie with the bagged lunch. And when Ronnie gets onto the bus, he's very upset by the fact that he's been hit by somebody's lunch when he feels like, hey, you know, I shouldn't have to deal with this bullshit on a regular basis. So I guess almost daily he gets hit by some random sandwich that just flies out of a bus window because he seems like it happens quite a bit. And he tries to do something and intimidate both Brian and Ben when he kind of does it to Ben because Ben is much younger. Ben, Eric, whatever. I'm going to keep fucking interchanging those two names because all I can think about is fucking Ben Savage. So, you know, there's a little bit of yelling back and forth and talking and eventually the bus driver tells him you need to sit the fuck down and she slams on the brakes which causes Ronnie to fly back and pieces of the sandwich to hit him and get mustard all over his shirt when they get into the school Ronnie decides that he's gonna confront Brian and he starts a fight with him which gets broken up by the principal what is going on here sir this is showing Brian what he did to my shirt, and he pushed me away. Oh, come on! Stevenson, you're new here, aren't you? Yes, sir. Well, I think we better have a little talk. In my office, you have rules to learn. Doodles, bride. Okay, that laugh at the end there is fucking hilarious, okay? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> like... Okay, kid, uh, you're probably now one of my number one favorite laughs in cinema, and I wish I could hear that over and over and over again. Second, why the fuck is it always the new kid that gets blamed for everything? If you know, this kid looks like he's the fucking school bully, right? He's that stereotypical, like, fat kid that is intimidating to everybody, and even the way he fucking talks, I was just showing him what he did to my shirt, and then he attacked me. Oh, fuck you with your fucking bullshit if you can't fucking understand that that's the bully of the fucking school. Probably because he's so goddamn insecure that he has to take it out on the other people there. Of course, he could also just been fucking upset that he got hit. Maybe he got hit in the face with a fucking lunch. And, you know, then he fucking gets the baloney with mustard all over his fucking shirt. I'd be pretty upset, too. But come on, dude, you started the fucking fight. And the principal guy, come on, you know it's not the fucking new kid. How fucking stupid do you think we are? So, while he's there, he gets punished, and then we run into the girl that he likes, Kristen. And she's busy putting together a science project. He takes her Polaroid camera, takes a selfie with it, and then throws his picture into the, like bunch of pictures she has of this cactus that she's doing an experiment on she of course asks if he needs any help with his science experiment he says no and then we go off after school it's kind of a i don't know i don't know if it's a totally useless scene but it's not something that i feel like it's worth grabbing dialogue for because they do have a little bit of a conversation and you see that there is something between them uh, and, you know, he's trying to find his footing, and what you also do learn is she has the key that'll take him into the supply closet because she's doing this experiment at school and not at her house for some reason because, I don't know, she seems like she lives in a nice fucking house, but again, this is not California, so her parents probably paid very, very little for this house, and they could be really poor to have this beautiful fucking house, and, you know, they can't afford the light bulbs that are needed to keep the fucking cactus alive. 
I don't know. But for some reason, she has access to where all the lights are. And I'm pretty sure that that's not really going to play any importance towards the end of this movie. So now that it's the end of the day, we see that Savage is walking on top of what looks like the wall that leads to a fucking cemetery. Like, again, you're giving Brian's a bad fucking name, man. I mean, it's time to fucking just oust you out of the society of Brian's. I don't understand what the fuck is going wrong with you. You don't fucking do that. What if you fall over and you fuck over, knock over a, like a headstone or some shit like that? Of course, I could be totally wrong. That's not a fucking graveyard. And he's just walking along a stone fence. But fuck, maybe my memory is going bad and it's just my fault. And that's why I need to be removed from the society of Brian's. I don't fucking know. But... Up comes Todd and Eric, and they basically put a little wager because Brian doesn't really believe that the monsters are there and thinks that he's just fucking, like, messing with him. And, you know what? Why don't you spend the night in the room there, you little fucking prick? If you say there's no monster, then switch rooms with me. What? Switch rooms with me? Yeah. You sleep in Eric's room, and he sleeps in your room. You just want my room. Nuh-uh. I want you to prove me wrong. I dare you to switch rooms. Double dare. Relax, Toad. I double dare you to switch rooms. Can you guys take a hike? I'll pay you. Fuck, how much does that go for? I'd love to be fucking paid just to switch rooms with somebody. I mean, growing up in the house that I grew up in, I had to split a room with my sister until she became too old to be basically sharing a room with me and then i had to go to the fucking couch okay i would have loved for there to be a fucking monster that my sister would be like i'll pay you to go sleep in that room fuck yes you go sleep on the fucking couch you lazy fucking oh okay never mind um so of course he sets up to sleep that night in the room uh that eric normally occupies and eric and todd for some reason todd is staying the night i i don't know why it's never really explained maybe to see if he actually cashes in on the whole thing maybe it's the weekend i don't know because it seems like the next day he's going to go to school but we'll get into that so Eric goes upstairs and sleeps in Brian's bedroom with Todd. Brian goes ahead and sleeps downstairs inside Eric's bedroom. Before Brian goes to sleep, his dad comes in and thanks him for doing that for the night. And he's like, uh, you know, whatever. And then he overhears Todd telling a story to uh, Eric upstairs. And at the end of it, and it's some little simple story that Todd believes is real. But in the end, it turns out, you know, it's just one of those kind of wives tales. But... Brian takes his hockey stick and makes the tapping noises against the wall, and I guess that's what brothers do. They fuck with each other. I wouldn't know. I had a sister, and I wasn't really allowed to mess with her. So he goes to sleep, and in the middle of the night, he hears noises. Well, when he comes back to the room, he hears noises from underneath the bed, and the last thing he sees is something basically taking the TV remote and pulling it underneath the bed. This causes him to go downstairs and sleep there for the night, where in the morning, both Todd and Ben, they both see him, and he tries to raise the stakes once more. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian, you okay? Looks like you got two weird phenomenons in your house. A monster and a giant chicken. Double or nothing. 
from here we go on to some weird like 80s montage where basically we see that brian is trying to set a trap with the bed he takes parts of his bike that's been busted and then rigs something up in his room there's actually a relatively i don't want to call it a funny scene but i think it's a scene where daniel stern couldn't get it quite right and they left it in the film because they're sitting at the table like it goes from like the montage of putting this stuff together and blah 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 then all of a sudden it goes over to them eating dinner at the table and it seems like a weird break and he's eating super super fast and he drinks some of the milk and then he says i'm finished i'm going to bed but when he does it milk flies out of his mouth because he doesn't fucking finish chewing his food and when he does that, you can see Daniel Stern in the scene actually like crack up, but he does it so quickly and then he stops and he seems like he's okay. He goes back up into Eric's room to go spend the night. His mother comes in and she's basically wondering why he's going to bed so early, like at nine o'clock at night. And he says, well, tomorrow is a school day, so I want to make sure that I'm all nice and rested. So I guess the first night was, they just had school. So they only get one day off like was it a holiday during the middle of the week because he went and spent the night and that's when todd spent the night and then he spent the whole next day making this contraption to lock whatever is going to happen or if there is a monster or something to keep it from going uh back out from underneath the bed and then he's going to sleep and the next day he's going to school like what the hell one day off is complete fucking bullshit anyway so he does manage to hear something in the middle of the night, and it does come out from underneath the bed. And when he does, he hits his little, like, you know, Rube Goldberg machine, and it basically drops the bed to the floor, trapping whatever it is in the room. He goes and grabs it, and because it's made so much noise, his dad opens the door and finds him wrestling with just a piece of clothing. Dad! Sir. What are you doing, Brian? What the hell is going on? Look at this mess. What, what the hell am I stepping in? Doritos? Jesus. I'll clean them up. You're damn right you will. Get back in that bed, mister. Dad, wait a minute. There was a monster here. You gotta believe me. A monster, Brian. It's a pile of clothes. You're wrestling a pile of clothes. What's so funny? After you finish cleaning this room tomorrow, you're gonna clean out the garage. And after the garage, you're gonna cut the hedges. But it wasn't my fault. After the hedges... You're going to mow the lawn. Good night. But everything that happened in that room was your fault, Brian. You put down the Doritos so that you could attract whatever it was, right? And honestly, I probably would have been caught in your trap too because Doritos are fucking delicious. And then you removed all the like screws from the door handle so that if they tried to grab the door handle to run out, they wouldn't be able to. So... That's all your fucking fault. You also rigged the bed to do what it did and to cause all that noise. That's your fucking fault. The only thing that is not your fault is the fact that there is now an annoying fucking monster in the room named Maurice. How about we meet him? Oh yeah, this is worse than I remember. Boo. <laughs> Keep an eye out for monsters. <laughs> scream, scream! Good idea! You know what? You scream, your dad's gonna come in here with a 12 gauge shotgun. Oh, blow your head off, actually. I'll scream. Shut up! Oh. 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 Great. 
Actually, your dad's gonna come in here and find Dorito puke all over the floor. What's he gonna say, huh? Wow! Baseball cards. I love baseball cards. Got them, got them, need them, got them, got them, got them, need them, got them, need them, need them, got them, got them, got them, got them, need them. <laughs> oh, the football! He goes to the 25-yard line, that 50-yard line, that 40-yard line. Stevenson, go for the long bomb! Light! The sun! The sun! The sun! Let me go! Let me go! Let me go! Let me go! So once he's hit by the sunlight, his head starts to basically like bubble up to the point that he actually grows a pair of horns out of his head. Now, before we continue on with this scene, this is Howie Mandel, okay? You may remember him from such classics as Deal or No Deal, uh, from Bobby's World, which is probably the other like best-known thing that he's ever done. And also from him being a complete germaphobe. That's right. This dude is really OCD. Hates, like, contact. He makes sure that he fist bumps most of the people. If people try to hug him, he doesn't want to do it. He looks really awkward when he meets certain people. And the fact that he could have all this makeup and do half the shit that he does in this movie... Maybe this is the film that turned him into that. Because I can only imagine with all the crap that he had to do to be a part of this role. Well, like I said, his head starts bubbling up and then horns pop out because the light has hit him. Horns! Great! Great! Great. Now nobody's going to recognize me! I gotta get under the bed. I gotta go. No! What's happening? I gotta get back. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta... What's going on? Bacon and eggs, kid. What do you want? Sunny side up or over easy? Huh? You're dying. First it disfigures you, then it kills you. Nah, you're mixing me up with that pansy with the red cape. Please. I have to get under the bed before before the sun totally rises. No way. You wrecked my bike. You've been pulling stuff, trying to get me in trouble. So, okay, basically the son, when he says the guy that wears a red cape, no, he's not talking about Superman, okay? Because Superman probably could beat the shit out of fucking Maurice. No, he's talking about a vampire or Dracula who doesn't use a red cape, you stupid fuck. He uses a black cape, right? He's not a vampire, anything like that. The sunlight actually really... Well, sunlight kind of does transform them, not really kill them. They can't get into regular light sounding like his other character, the fucking Mogwai. Uh, But in general... It's just kind of a weird situation, but I do really like the practical effects. See, in the previous scene, like, he has his eyes pop out of his skull, which probably was kind of freaky as a kid, but it's done in a comedic manner, and I don't think I was that affected by it. 
Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, I'm not quite sure. But even looking at it here, it's kind of terrible, but I like the practical effect. The other one I like is when he is turned into like a pile of clothes and it moves around. It's done relatively well. It's a pretty good puppet considering that Howie Mandel can never sit still and I heard him best described as a puppet with no strings or being run by a bad puppeteer. Like it's just moving it all around all hella crazy like and he's never fucking sitting still. It drives me fucking bad for this entire fucking movie because I just want you just... Once, once, have a normal fucking conversation without doing your, like, Fire Marshal Bill type of attitude. Or, like, the guy from Mad TV, Phil Lamar, we did the UPS driver that's always going back, back and forth, back and forth. Always, okay, yeah, well, I can do this. Oh, we can go over here. Like, that type of thing. Don't do that. Just fucking stand still. So, of course, he decides not to just let him die by sunlight and shoves him back under the bed. The next day... He's relaxing in his room, and then he hears his brother once again scream, and Maurice then shows up back in Brian's room instead. Hey! Why'd you change rooms with that wiffle ball, huh? You know, he's gonna have a heart attack by the time he's ten. Ow. I get it! Alright, so like... When it gets darker, your eyeballs get bigger. But then when the lights go on, you turn into clothes. Oh, brilliant, Bri. Just brilliant. You must be in what, at least grade two? Six. Oh, a worldly scholar. Super, I love it. Now, how about lighting a candle? These lights are painful, man. No way. I have enough problems without you running around getting me into more. You got your stupid remote control back. Now turn off the lights. Hey, what about the batteries? I ate them for breakfast. I give them to you right now, but double-A batteries constipate me, okay? Maybe a little later. That's gross. Hey, and what about my bike? I'll get you a new bike. Just get me out of these clothes. Shh. Honest, I'm burning up. My inseams are on fire. All right, but any funny moves in your clothes? You see, he realized that the sunlight did something to him, but, you know, maybe not realizing that maybe unnatural light, so lamps, flashlights, all those types of things would do something to him as well. You know, if sunlight basically gave him horns or possibly was killing him, what could flashlights possibly do? Maybe they would kill him too, but instead, no, they just turn him into clothes because we already saw it when... We first, he kind of first got captured and he was trying to get him and then Daniel Sturden walked in. When he turned on the lights, it was just a pile of clothes on the floor. Nothing more, nothing less. So he didn't die from a, like a light bulb being turned on, but he was transformed by the sunlight in particular. And we kind of get a little more into that. It's kind of interesting when you learn a little bit of the rules, but as they say later on, there really are no rules. And that applies to a lot of parts of this film as well. So, we see him turn on the lights. Basically, when he goes to turn them off, all the lights, they pop, fizz, and fade out. And that's where we get some more of Maurice, and to the point that he just, he needs to shut the fuck up. Grassy boy, grassy. Oh, you're pretty sharp. Kill your, oh, you're ugly, but you're sharp. <laughs> wait, 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 let me get it, let me get it. Wow. <laughs> 
you know, I thought it was something good, but it's not. <laughs> I've been in this business now, what, well over 200 years, and I've never been trapped once. How old are you? Eleven. Oh, and I ain't getting any prettier. <laughs> hey, dude, come here, bud. You don't know it yet, but tonight is your lucky night. What do you mean? I mean... Oh, oh I know, I know. You're going to grant me three wishes, right? Wishes? Wishes? Wishes are Bush League leprechaun, pal. I'm a monster, okay? Okay, listen to this. I'm a monster, and monsters don't do wishes. Then what do monsters do? Good question. I have the time of my life. Okay, so I hope you picked up on a couple of things right away because we're already in that territory. Um, Maurice is fucking disgusting, okay? You, you heard it in the last little clip, and then in this one, he picks a booger from his nose, even though there is a nice pun in there. He fucking eats it. And this just carries on throughout the rest of the goddamn movie. This is a kid's film. And he's talking about, like, fucking snot. And then he talks, in in the next clip, he talks about fucking Playboy. If you want to watch Play... What? So, okay, again, this then truly does place him, Brian, in the range of, like... 13 to 14, okay, because if he's all fucking turned on by Playboy and he's watching the late night shows with the girls in the bikinis, you know the reason why he's watching this is because he wants to wank one off and then go to bed, where at that point, anything can fucking set you off, and you might as well just stay in bed and think about whatever, and you'll get it done. You can think about fucking Legos, and you get a fucking 10-foot boner, and you can just get your stuff done and then go to fucking sleep. But honestly, there is so much just random stuff like this that just pops out. I like the idea that they're not governed by anything, that they're the antithesis to everything that you see in the regular world, where kids in, you know, in our normal world, they're fucking limited by what their parents kind of allow them to do, and their parents are trying to teach them to do the right things. And here comes this monster that doesn't really have any rules he just does what he wants says what he wants um fucking picks his nose and eats his booger right away something that is disgusting but of course it doesn't apply to him because that's what he lives for and that's what he lives to do so let's continue on with our low rent beetlejuice and hear more from maurice before he takes him down under into the underworld it's magic, chump. It is. You just gotta be handsome and gorgeous like me. Or have somebody handsome and gorgeous like me show you how. Brian Stevenson, come on down! I can't. Can't! Ooh! I hate that word. Ooh! Ooh! That word's like cock out of me. No! Can't! Can't! You can't jam a basketball. You can't have a hand grenade go off in your lap and survive. Those things you can't do. But you can take a walk on the wild side. Well, I mean, look, I mean, even if I do go, how do I know I'm going to be able to come back? Listen to me. What goes on down there is every kid's fantasy. (laughs) Imagine, if you will, imagine a world solely of kids. Kids that just want to have fun. And make trouble. Trouble? 
Trouble is our code of honor. It's our blood, our, our life support system. It's our raison d'etre. That's French. Do they all look like you? Only the good-looking ones. <laughs> Think of it, Bri. No teachers, no rules, no homework. <laughs> no parents. You hear me, boy? I said, I said, no parents. Man, that alone is worth all the money in the world. It's about leaving your clothes wherever it is you want to leave them. It's about never having to clean up after you eat. It's about never worrying about being on time. Whoa. It's about staying up late. Watching whatever it is you want to watch on TV. You want to watch Letterman? You want to watch the Playboy channel? <laughs> it's about nailing somebody that bugs you in a way that you never dreamed possible. What's that? <laughs> it's about total 100% unadulterated, where's the beef, anarchy. <laughs> Brian, it's about freedom. Freedom to live life the way the creators of this planet Great. What do you say, bud? You ready? Maurice, I was born ready. I have never missed Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice as much as I do when I watch this fucking movie. Because, honestly, this is Beetlejuice. I don't care what anybody else says. It is completely modeled after it. It is completely mocked after it. It's meant to be the kids' version. Now... What I don't get too, okay, this is a PG version. This is really before PG-13 becomes a really big staple and they change things, you know, where maybe you might get a boob when it's PG. But they say shit about seven or eight times in this movie. They say bitch a couple of times in this movie. But when he says, and I really like the speech about can't. I do. I think that is fucking brilliant. I think it's good writing. But the fact that he says, can't is like caca to me. What the fuck? You say shit multiple times. I guess a little later on in the film, maybe it's to show the degradation of everything that's going on, right? That how his mind is slowly degrading over time as he is, spoiler alert, becoming a monster, But I just don't get it why you do it at this situation. Why do you say, why do you use the word caca? And caca is not used, like, only this time. It's used a couple other times, too. And it's the kids that say shit. It's not fucking anybody else. Though Maurice does say bitch, he might say shit one other time in this film. But for the most part, he's the one that uses these words like that. Who the fuck even uses caca? The only people that use fucking caca are people that are like four or five years old. That's it. I, I, not a monster. The other thing is, he's been doing this for 200 years, but he's 11 fucking years old? What the hell? That does not add up. Like, is it 11 dog years or some shit like that? Is every fucking year 50 years in his lifetime? So when we go ahead and hit... 10 years, then there's the 200 years he's been doing it. But okay, for the first 50, he didn't do whatever the fuck it is, going underneath people's beds or whatever the fuck this is. Uh, Yeah, which will get explained, kind of explained. I don't know exactly why they do it, but it's like a job, and we'll talk about it. (laughs) But it's, it's that situation where... It's like, how old is this guy? The other thing is, is I like how he compares, you can stay up late 
You can watch Letterman, or you can watch Playboy. I'm sorry. Again, if I'm Fred Savage's age at this, like, moment in time for this movie, I'm not staying up and watching Letterman, even though I kind of was, to be honest. Like, Friday nights, I'd, like, sleep out on the couch, and that was probably my downfall to losing my bed in the bedroom. Uh, But I'd watch Letterman on those nights, to be honest, instead of anything else but every once in a while when it got late enough you could go onto those spice channels or or playboy and you get the free first like 10 minutes of anything so that you can watch fucking boobs and everything like that because that's all you needed as a little kid but again i digress and like why why make these assumptions with everything like and then why bring in the whole american flag thing that thing was fucking stupid like Oh, it's the American way. Trouble's my middle name. Uh, Trouble's what we do. Okay, I get it. But you're trying to get them all excited about going into the monster world. And honestly, let's let's go, okay? Maybe this will be great. Maybe this will be a saving thing so far in this film. I really want to remember what it was. Because honestly, watching it, I didn't remember what the monster world looked like. And I was like, man, it must have been something good. Because for me to have such a like nostalgic feeling for this movie, that, man, this must have been the magical part. This is, must have been when they make it all uh, come back. And then they go downstairs and... You know what it is? You want to know what the underworld is? It's a bunch of fucking stairs and ladders. It's a bunch of fucking boxes thrown out. It's a fucking garbage pile. Which, honestly, is a good representation of the monsters. Because they're all fucking garbage. Okay? Not necessarily just in the way that they act. And they should know a lot of those costumes that they use for those monsters are fucking garbage. Like, they're just so lame and cheesy and all the money must have been spent on Howie Mandel why would you spend all the money on Howie Mandel hopefully you spent all the money on Fred Savage but then again why would you spend all the money on Fred Savage I mean this is I think a year after the Wonder Years had started so he became kind of a big thing maybe it was a couple years after I'm not exactly sure on it but it definitely was a year after Beetlejuice so, again, that influence is pretty much spot on, right? So, they go into the world of ladders and stairs, and he starts introducing uh, Brian here to all the little friends that he has. And eventually, Brian kind of looks over the place, too, and wonders, what the fuck are all these stairs and ladders for? Wait a second. What are all these stairs and ladders for? Oh, good question, bud. Every one of these staircases leads to some poor soul's bedroom. It's like, it's like, let me put this simply. It's a veritable cornucopia of mischief. Before I go on to, I just had a thought. When we go back to the whole thing of what every kid wants, like, to do, it's a world where every kid, like, every kid, because right now everything you explained is something that every boy would want, not every girl necessarily. I'm not saying that girls don't want to go and rub one out to fucking Playboy or something when they were young. There's probably a lot of people that like to do that, and there's probably some that are listening to this podcast that did. But at the same time, is there anything there really, at least at that age, and definitely during the 80s, like skewed towards women like anything that he talked about like all the fucking nasty shit that he did too like it it doesn't make any sense i know he's he's going to 
fucking Fred Savage to Brian and to entice him to come down. But when he says all kids, there is some stuff that is all kids down there. I, I agree. Like like stuff that's going to be coming up in just a little bit. But, okay, now let's talk about these stairs and ladders. Okay, so they're basically like a transit system. So it just goes to all the different beds that are throughout the world. So if you want to go into, you know, somebody's bed in China, I guess you can go there. But they really don't go past the U.S., but I guess in the 80s, the U.S. was kind of the world, so maybe I can give them a little bit of a pass on this one. So they decide to go now into another room, and he's basically outside of this, like, glass door, and he's trying so hard to remember what the magic word, and let's see if you can guess it before it actually happens. You gotta love this place. All right. The magic word. Oh, forget the magic word. It's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, that's it. Come on, bud. Okay, farts are fucking funny. I I did chuckle again at this scene, but again, it's part of that thing. Like, if that's really going to attract all kids, okay, all kids kind of think farts are funny, but honestly. It's still, I think, geared more towards boys than it is towards girls. But again, this is 1980s. So I understand what, what's kind of going on with this. Now, when they opens the door, you see basically like a cavalcade of games, pinball machines, and different things that people are playing. So basically, this is Pinocchio. Like, this is the place where all the boys go where Pinocchio becomes a donkey. Oh, God, it's that story, too. Is it just a little bit of an amalgamation of like every little grim fairy tale that you can think of that has been kind of Disney-fied, but we're going to put it in this angle as well? Because if you remember, and, and my memory of Pinocchio is primarily from the Disney flick, but he goes with the one street kid and they take him over there where all the kids get turned into donkeys because they become jackasses for just skipping school and only playing games and everything like that. And that's basically what we've got going on here, is we have everybody down in this, like, I don't know, cavalcade of excitement and everything. But it's not just that. There's also food, like tons and tons of junk food, where there's hamburgers and pizzas and cakes. And for some reason, Maurice keeps shoving them into his jacket, and they just kind of fall out the bottom. And again, this must have been very difficult for Howie Mandel to do, because he's putting them all underneath his jacket, including the cake, which goes all over him. Unless he had a body double during this scene, I don't know. I'm assuming that it's truly him. So eventually they get to the lines where we kind of get an explanation of what exactly they do. There's a long line of people. They keep cutting in front of everybody. And then they get up to the front and it looks like uh, Maurice has been given his assignments for that evening. Hey, Maurice. Hey, Shmoo. Who's the drip? Hey, he's off, bud. This young man. He saved me from a fatal case of sunburn, so I decided to give him a grand tour. <laughs> oh, very well. <laughs> you got a Pratt in Cleveland. A Pratt in Cleveland. An infinite lander. An infinite lander. And a twerp in Boston. And a twerp in Boston. And a dweeb giving me all this. <laughs> Great hell tonight. And show him how it's done. <laughs> I will. Fighting. <laughs> Wait a second. You're not going to tell me there's an airport in this place, are you? Brian, come on, does it look like these hunchbacks can handle a plane? It's magic. <laughs> that was pretty neat, huh? Yeah. See, down here, 
Distance is like time. Yeah. And time is like... It's like polyester with an acrylon blend. No, time is like time. It's not necessarily like a polyester blend. Oh, again, everything is kind of annoying. And we then see what exactly he does. And he has a couple of houses that he has to go to. And he has to basically cause mischief and trouble for the people that are out there. So I don't know the reason why. Like, I have to compare this to another film that came after this that had a similar... I don't know if you want to say similar motif... Uh, but definitely a similar theme, which was Monsters in the Closet, Monsters of the Bed, and of course I'm talking about Monsters, Inc., right? And there you have a clear-cut reason why these monsters are doing what they're doing. See, they have to get scares, and when they get scares, it fills up energy tanks, and so that way the society can have energy, and they, they don't really want to necessarily do this to the kids. They just go ahead and do it because they're monsters, and that's exactly how... They can get the energies for their city. Okay, get it. That's, you know, as cute and bubbly and funny and everything that that is, at least you have somewhat of a storyline and a reason why they're doing what they're doing. Why they come into our world and scare the living crap out of kids. Here, it's just like, you know what? Here's your assignments. You're just going to have to go be a dick for being a dick. What outcome does this serve other than it's fun? Like, that's one thing I do like about Maurice's character for the most part is that he enjoys everything that he does. Like, he lives to do this. He's the only one that you see there that is truly enjoying it all the time. And in Brian, he kind of finds that same type of kinship because he's the only person that's ever trapped one of these guys. And there's something special about the way that he did it and the way that he was able to capture him. He has some type of a respect for him. And when he starts showing him what he does, he helps in in all these disgusting fucking pranks that are done to everybody out there. And what he does to all these kids is absolutely terrible. I mean, the worst offender out of the little montage of oh, we're going to do all these really shitty pranks. Well, there's one really fucked up one, and there's one really disgusting one. The disgusting one happens to deal with a Q-tip and earwax, where he pulls it out, and he like wraps the earwax around the end of the Q-tip, and then sticks it back into the jar. And then they also put, well, Brian puts peanut butter on the top of a receiver of a telephone, and for those out there that don't know what that is, you know, we used to have phones in our houses that weren't just smartphones and actually had a receiver and you put it up to your ear and you talked in it well you put it on the top part and it, you know so that it would get on somebody's ear and then the other one he does he puts fucking saran wrap underneath the seat of the toilet which is absolutely disgusting when it actually happens to somebody maybe it's not so bad if your mom ends up doing it uh it's still pretty damn disgusting but just imagine you know you end up getting onto the toilet and you got to take a big deuce. Uh, or you maybe got the Hershey squirts going along. Wow, that's the second time I've mentioned Hershey squirts. But anyway, you got it going on and you go to shit in the bowl. Then all of a sudden, bam, you're fucking like it's just coming right back at you because you shit on top of cellophane. It's disgusting. All right. Then they also put like footprints in the house and everything like that. And when they're all said and done... You know, Brian, even though he's enjoyed himself, he still kind of questions why exactly they do it. 
So what they do is they basically get kids in trouble. So in general, kids are good. That's what I'm understanding from this film, with the exception of people like Brian and people like Ronnie, right? They're dicks in their own way, but Brian, a little more so than Ronnie, because he's going over to Ronnie's house to get back at him for whatever he did earlier in the film, basically getting him in trouble with the principal, right? But if you listen to everything that is being said by Maurice, like, they're the cause, these little monsters are the cause of everything that goes wrong in a kid's life. Like, they don't actually do anything, they just all of a sudden wake up and shit's gone down. So, they go into Ronnie's house and they're going to mess with him, but they decide, no, we're going to go mess with his lunch. So the first part's not so bad, all right? So they go into the fridge, and they're like, ooh, cat food. Who keeps cat food in the fridge? I don't fucking know. But they do that, and they put cat food inside of his tuna sandwich. Okay, uh, you've done a good job. It's just time to leave. Let's go. What are you doing with that apple juice? Are you going to do what I think? Oh, my God. My God. No. No, 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 no. This is too much. You see... Oh, Maurice takes the apple juice and then he drinks all of it. Okay, we're okay. We're okay right now. And then after he drinks all of it, he turns around, zips down his fly, whips it out with Brian being there. We we don't see it. It's a kid's movie, okay? It's a kid's comedy, by the way. This is rated PG. And he pisses in the bottle of apple juice. Yes, he pees all the way, then he shakes it up, and the top of it has foam. Somebody had to create this prop, and they had to create it in a way where they're like, okay, if somebody were to pee in this, and it makes me believe, honestly, honestly, it makes me believe that Howie Mandel really peed into this bottle, because it looks so fresh, it is so foamy on top, either they have the best fucking prop department in the fucking world or he really peed into this bottle i truly think that this is the movie that sent him overboard i don't think that he was ocd i didn't think that he was a germaphobe but when you have to pee in the bottle for the sake of comedy get fucking hamburgers and cake and fucking things all over you and then later on get smoke blown in your fucking face by some weird hunchback guy that we don't even know why he's in this fucking film and i haven't even talked about him yet and it's about 40 fucking minutes into the film yeah i would become a huge fucking germaphobe at the same time too like this would fuck me up really bad and this is what he had to do so they leave everything there for him and he decides to go ahead and take him back home And when he does, we get a montage of all the parents talking to the kids about the bad shit that they've done. Okay, bud. 
I can't bear to see anybody go up there without protection. Those UVs can be pretty dangerous, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Visiting hours are over at dawn, so unless you want a new residence or a set of horns, we better book, bud. Okay? I suppose you're going to tell me your sister did this. Uh-huh. I'm innocent! I'm innocent! I'll take a lie detector test! If you didn't do it. Who did? I don't know! Peter! It's because I'm working, isn't it? Son, doll hair never grows back! What made you think the cat needed a shave? Do you want to go to military school? Good morning, Mr. Stevenson! Okay, besides the cheesy fucking music, and this soundtrack, I don't know what the fuck is going on with this soundtrack, because you've heard clips and snips from here with everything playing there. I don't get it. I honestly don't get what they're trying to go with with the music that they play throughout this fucking movie. It is some of the cheesiest shit that I've ever heard. Some of it I fucking love. There is one track I... Man, it is from a band I fucking love to death. And why they contributed anything to this movie is fucking beyond me. But... (laughs) The... The whole montage with the kids, okay... I did kind of find it funny because the kids gave really good reactions in those scenes. It is fucked up. It is fucking mean. Everything that they did to those kids was fucking mean. And it's very mean-spirited. But it's also really fucking funny because the kids really do have good facial expressions. Especially with the one that, like, you want to go back to military school? Like, it looks like that one awkward-looking little girl. You've seen the meme all over the place where she's got a little buck tooth in front. But it it honestly looks like her and just the eyes that she give. It looks like they actually took kids that didn't do anything and they yelled at them and they filmed the responses right away. Except for the ones that actually had to have a line. So everybody else was fucking just like surprised that their mom and dad was yelling at them. And that one actually got to act. So at the end of it, he gets woken up because he's wearing the protection that he was given by Maurice. Which were sunglasses, by the way. And he's had fallen asleep at school. So he gets woken up by one of the teachers. And then we see him meet his friend, the girl that he likes, out there on the, the lunch yard. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Ronnie comes in the scene and he starts perking up. And then we see Ronnie go and eat the cat food sandwich. And then he needs to drink something to drink it down. Yuck. So what does he do? He goes and he grabs the pee bottle and he drinks the pee because it had enough time overnight to get nice and cool and then he automatically knows that it's piss and he spits it all over the principal. Like, how do you know what the taste of piss is? I don't know. Maybe you were kind of curious at one point you decided oh let's taste what urine tastes like but he obviously has been drinking pee every so often so i don't think that his home life is very good and maybe that's the reason why he's a bully so of course everybody cheers when ronnie gets what's coming to him but it's completely fucked up that you're making a young boy drink a monster's fucking piss i don't get it i guess it's meant to be funny 
Day turns into night, and we see that Brian is waiting at his bed for Maurice to come back in and to bring him back into the underworld. He looks under the bed, and I don't know, everybody seems like they're able to lift these beds extremely well. It doesn't matter who you are, like, it just kind of lifts up at an angle, like there's some type of, like, hydraulic lift that's going on and holding it up because he's able to lift it with one hand and then go underneath the bed and he kind of gets dragged by Maurice back into the underworld but you can see that he can go in really without any help from Maurice and then there's a weird scene that we'll talk about uh, and there's another line of dialogue leading into him going over to the girl he likes house no holes barred, down the wood, no assembly required, natural. What? <laughs> what? What do you think? Jeez, I thought I was quick, but you, 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 Scooby-Doo, you're already moving through the shadows. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, you're not. No. No. You pulled me through. Get out of town. Fine, fine, fine. Don't believe me, but I'm telling you one thing, buddy boy. It was a lot easier pulling you through tonight than it was last night. <laughs> Why'd you do that? <laughs> Good and twister too. Wow. <laughs> Not even my mother sees me in my boxer shorts. Well, did you ever see her in hers? <laughs> see, Bri. Don't you have any cheese in your life, bud? Cheese. <laughs> what kind? Madam Moisels. What? Squeeze tomatoes. Broads, chicks, girls. I said girls. Don't you have anybody else in your life besides your mother who wears an over-the-shoulder boulder holder? Okay, so there's a couple things going on. So the weird scene happens when he comes back down from up above into the underworld where Maurice randomly just pulls down his fucking pants so that it exposes his boxers to some random girl that's knitting which I actually like that design because she's got all the needles in her head and she pulls it out like the knitting needles and she pulls out the pair from her head to begin knitting. But then she looks over after his pantsman pulled down and she says, nice ass. What? He, you, he, no. What? PG. P fucking G. What the hell is going on here? And then then he starts asking, oh, do you have a girl that you like? And uses the phrase over-the-shoulder boulder holder for a bra. Who the hell uses that? First we got Kaka, and now we've got over-the-shoulder boulder holder. Like, what? Why can't you just say bra? And wouldn't you be okay with liking somebody that used a bra? Like somebody other than your mom that has an over-the-shoulder boulder. I See, I take that two ways. Either that, hey, is there somebody other than your mom like who has tits? Uh, or it's the other way where somebody other than your mom who has tits. Like, where is the pause in that that makes it more appropriate? There really isn't to have... Well, I guess he's supposed to be 11 or some shit. But still, to have Maurice, 
played by Howie Mandel, to be talking to him about girls that are his age that have breasts that he's interested in. What? PG! PG! Oh my god. So, they go into the girl that he likes house. And he watches over her while she sleeps. And Maurice wants to fuck with her, but he tells her no. And eventually, of course, Maurice does. In a scene where he turns his dog, well, his hand, into a dog mouth. Where he chews up the paper that she's been working on. Which, of course, leads to another awkward situation the next day. Where she fails her research project because her paper has been chewed up by the dog. And she doesn't have the dog. In the meantime, we're introduced to one of the antagonists of the film, and we have about, uh, I think, 40 minutes left. See, this is where we meet Snick, or Nick, or Ick, or Dick, or where the fuck his name is. And he is approaching one of the guys from the underworld saying that you don't mess with Boy, and we don't even know who the fuck Boy is, let alone who the fuck Snick is, but we know that he seems to be some type of enforcer due to what he does to the poor other little monster. You know, Boy gets what he wants. If he asks you for a favor, you should take that as a compliment. What? I tried. You gotta believe me, Snake. I tried. Oh, you tried. Did you, Arnold? Well, you didn't try hard enough. My, my knees, they hurt. Oh, your knees hurt? Well, that's not all that's gonna hurt, Arnold. You know why? Because I'm gonna take my big thumb and jab it in your eye. Now I'm gonna take my finger and put it in the corner of your mouth and I'm gonna rip the corner of your mouth out. <laughs> that's good for a laugh, isn't it? Huh? You're scared of me, aren't you, Arnold? Oh, I like that. Oh, I love that. But you know what? I like even more than that, Arnold. I like taking my two big, black, leather-gloved hands and grabbing your head and cutting it off! (laughs) Hey! Hey! Boy gets what he wants! Hey, remember, boy always gets what he wants. Never, ever, ever forget that! Ever! Okay, so he rips the kid's head off in a relatively violent scene. It's not gory by any means necessary. But again, PG? Like... You wouldn't see that that would be in like a PG-13 movie nowadays. It wouldn't be in a regular PG movie. Uh, But it's just absolutely crazy because you don't mess with Boy, but who the fuck is Boy? And I thought he said Boyd at first, but it turns out it's just Boy. Here's an antagonist that he has some ruling matter over the underworld. I don't know. So... From that scene with Snick, we cut back over to Brian Maurice, and they're talking about how he messed with her room. And right now, Brian doesn't really know what exactly has happened. I did move ahead a little bit fast, but he tries to calm down the situation by introducing to 
Brian to something called Monster Ball, which basically looks like baseball. But what they do is they smack the ball into like breakable plates and everything like that. And then they return the broken plates back to wherever they stole them. Looks like a pretty fun game, and fuck, I really want to play Monster Ball as well. You can get some aggression out really, really nicely if you can just smash that bat into those plates. Well, the ball ends up going a little further than it was intended to do, and Brian sees this giant staircase that he climbs up. At the top, he's confronted by Snake, who tells him that nobody goes on to Boy's staircase. Again, whoever the fuck Boy is, because we're about an hour into the movie, and... I still don't know what the main issue is that's going to happen here. So while they're at the top, he grabs him by the neck and holds Brian out over the ledge to which Maurice comes by and is able to talk Snick down. He's a new kid. He's with me. He's with me, Snick. Maurice! No one should ever, ever, ever come this close to Boy's Stairway! Right! Never, ever, ever come this close to Boy's Stairway! Hey, kid, you want a fresh fly? No! I could break his neck, Maurice. I could. Let's drop him. No! He's just kidding. Snick, look at this. I mean, dead people have limited potential, and I I don't think that uh, boy would like damaged goods. Um, But it's your responsibility, and you... No! No! It's your responsibility, Maurice! And you screw up. I drop you! It's fair. Let's go, bud. My back. Damn it, Maurice. Who was that? Who? Snick? Yeah. I'll talk. Just a big mouth. And ever since he developed that hump, he's been such a bitch. But you learn to stay away from Snick and the staircase. Okay, bud? No kidding. Let's move it. You're such a doll. (laughs) Come on. So he goes back home, and that's where we find out the next day that the homework has been ruined by Maurice, which truly does upset Brian. Like, he told him, hey, man, you need to lay off her. Don't fuck with her. And he thought he just messed with the room, but turns out he did much more than that. So Maurice comes over the next day, well, that evening, and he tries to you know, basically get Brian on his side and to go back down under. But Brian really wants nothing to do with it because he totally fucked him over and basically gave his woman an F. Hey, Brian, nothing to worry about. It's only a drill. <laughs> hey, Pard, what's with the light? Something personal? Yeah, you. Me? Your only friend in the whole world? Ah, whoa! Window pane! <laughs> My used to be only friend in the whole wide world. You messed up Kirsten's homework. What? What did I do to the homework? You chewed it up. You destroyed it. You know she got a zero because of you? Brian, I was hungry, okay? And it just it just so happened at that moment I had a craving for a six-page paper on the daytime blooming of a nighttime captain. And I'll tell you something else. I got incredible heartburn from that. I can't believe you did that. I asked you not to, and you just went ahead and did it anyway. Brian, I happen to have a... You like her, don't you? 
No, I don't. Mm, yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, Brian's got a girlfriend. Brian's got a girlfriend. No, Brian's I don't. Brian's got a girlfriend. Brian's got a girlfriend. Would it help the boo-boo if I said I was sorry, huh? Here, look, just go back to your dumb underworld and leave me and Eric alone. So he basically stays there, but he's called, Brian is called downstairs because, well, we're about to get one of those awkward scenes in the whole fucking movie. But it's weird that Maurice can't, he really can't tell why he's upset. Like, he just really thinks that, oh, if I just say sorry, you know, it's in his nature to basically do this. He couldn't help himself is basically kind of what he's saying. He's just like, come on, this is what I do. I'm a monster. I fuck with things. And my enjoyment is more than whatever you feel. Like, we're kind of getting that, like, friendship message that friends don't really screw over friends at this point in the film. Right, because Brian considers Maurice a friend, he doesn't really want to do anything that would mess with him. And when he says something, hey, don't do this, he kind of expects Maurice to do it. But Maurice is very much a symbol of anarchy, right? You could say he's anarchistic uh, in the way that he does stuff because he just kind of does it to do it. Like, I'm going to cause trouble. I have to cause trouble. There's no reason why. There's nothing like... You know, he's going to get killed or something if he doesn't do it. We don't really get anything like that. We know that it's kind of his job. He gets assignments to do it, but why? We're never really told anything like that. All we know is that he does it, he loves it, and that's it. So, of course, even though his friend, especially he sees him as a friend, he doesn't understand why, you know, other than, oh, hey, let's go back to doing what we were doing. Let's just go back to having fun because fucking with people like this is having fun. So you get a little bit of a lesson here, but I'm just kind of like, "Eh, I don't really care. Uh, And I just want Maurice to get the fuck away and get the fuck out of this film. And so what we get instead is we get this very awkward sequence where we learn that something's going on between the mother and the father that we've been hearing little snippets of throughout the film. From the beginning of the film to some point in the middle where it sounded like they were arguing about sex or something. I don't fucking know what they were doing. And it ended up like happening that... They're going to be separated. And we have to sit through this scene in the film. And why the fuck is this even in this movie? We wanted to talk to the both of you because... Well, your mother and I have come to a decision. And it uh, it affects all of us. We feel you've grown up enough to understand. Mom and I have decided that we're not going to live together for a while. A business trip? No, honey, not exactly. Eric, don't you get it? They're getting a divorce. No, Brian, we are not getting a divorce. Oh, yeah, right. It's just that your father and I need to work some things out, and we feel it would be better if we were... Look, it, it, it's just like a, it's a trial separation. Oh, God, sorry. That's what you do before you get a divorce. Brian, we're not getting a divorce. So Dad's not leaving? Eric. Good. Listen to me. I have to live in the city for a while. Hopefully it won't be for long. No, you don't have to go. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. 
But look, we'll get to talk every day. I'll be good. I promise. I'll be better. You won't have to go live in the city. I swear to God, I'll be better. Brian, too. He promises, right? Rick, it's not your fault. And it's not Brian's fault. It isn't anybody's fault. Why do we need this downer in this film? Everything's been just fucking annoying. So all of a sudden we have to have something fucking realistic put in here? It has no comparison to anything else in the film. Is it something that just to get him to go back down into the underworld? Basically. But what what does it what does it run parallel with? It doesn't feel like it does in anything. And if anybody can really tell me why this would be added to the film, what type of like conflict this adds, other than we go back up into the room and we see Maurice try to cheer him up and again trying to get him to go back down to the underworld and to do what he did cause trouble. Because we kind of understand in, in a bit too exactly what the main thing is going on between what Maurice is doing and why, and kind of Brian and what Brian is going to ultimately reject, I guess we can say. But this has no stance in the film whatsoever because honestly, it doesn't really get resolved. I mean, it does, but it doesn't at the same time. What exactly do we do from here? Okay, dad's gonna go off and live in the city because. That's closer to his job, and he's been working a ton, but mom's still going to be here with you guys. That's basically becoming a salary man in Japan, okay? You, you go live in fucking Tokyo and work, and then all of a sudden come home for the weekend to spend with your kids. They deal with it. Why can't they, these fucking kids deal with it? But honestly, the whole divorce angle, it's just comes out of nowhere not completely nowhere okay because we are shown that they're having very difficult times but for the most part we're enjoying the fuck it well we're supposed to be enjoying the trouble that is being caused by brian and fucking maurice are we to believe that then maybe what's going on between them and how he's doing stuff in the underworld is actually affecting them? Maybe Boy has something to do with what's happening with his family to keep him downstairs? No. There's nothing. Nothing is really shown as doing. All we know is something that Maurice said earlier, but it, it's really an effect on the kids and what the kids do and how the kids get in trouble. It doesn't really matter if mom and dad are getting a fucking divorce. It, it simply comes down to that the kids themselves are basically being antagonized by the monsters that are underneath their bed. Okay? I just don't get it. Why this does not need to be in this fucking film. You can do if if things they were doing was being shown to have an effect on the way the mother and the father felt with each other, I would get it. But it doesn't. And at the end of the film, it doesn't fucking resolve itself in a clear-cut way. So whatever we keep moving on we go back upstairs brian is hella pissed and of course maurice tries for once to comfort him i heard it all sucks huh yep it's not too good i hate them no you don't no you don't 
At least you have a family. Believe it or not, you're the only real friend I have. Why do you think I keep coming back? If I didn't like you, I'd have your parents blaming you for the shooting of Abe Lincoln. <laughs> Come on down, it'll cheer you up. Come on. I don't really feel like being cheery. Oh, pride, baby. Thanks. Snacks, games. It'll take away the hurt. Come on. Oh, we can do we can go see Kirsten. We'll bring her flowers. I'm gonna bring idea. We'll go to Ronnie Coleman's and we'll loosen all the bolts on his furniture. What do you say? Huh? It'll be quick, it's good for your bones. Cross my heart and hope to die. Come on. So he does agree to go down into the underworld with him once again, and he's going to go to one of the little parties, I guess, that he's setting on with his friends. So they go to a baby's room where all the other monsters are there. Now, originally I thought that his clothes had changed when he went downstairs, because it would make sense when something happens in a bit, but... Basically, they try to get him to scare the baby, and as Maurice says, he wants him to scare the caca out of the baby. Again, won't say shit, but he says caca all the fucking time. And really, Brian, he doesn't want to do it. Like, he has fun causing trouble, but he doesn't want to scare anybody. And there's all these monsters in the room, and they're all, like, basically, like, partying, getting ready to scare this little baby. Because he doesn't want to scare a baby, because he doesn't want to fucking ruin him. But that's what these kids do. So he escapes, runs away from everybody, and tries to get help from Todd. And when Todd basically shines a flashlight on him, part of his body turns into clothes. He goes back home... And he basically holds himself up and he begins sawing the legs off of every bed in the house so Maurice can't come back over there. Uh, His mom takes it as that he's just coping with the fact that his dad's going to be living in the city and that it's okay just to let him do what he's going to do. Meanwhile, back in the underworld, we actually see Snick go after Maurice, and we get a little explanation of what exactly Boy wants with Brian. We almost had him. He was becoming one of us. Uh, He knows our secrets, Maurice. I'll tell you. You know what? Leave him alone. Well, just leave him alone and... and You just don't get it, Maurice. Sometimes Boy gets a little lonely. He wanted to play with him. Why doesn't he just play with himself? Why doesn't boy play with himself? (laughs) No, don't get me upset, Snake. You know what happens when I get upset. You know what happens when I get upset. That's it. I'm upset. What the hell is that? I don't know. That's what happens when I get upset. You know something? I don't like you, Maurice. You're always trying to be so funny. Well, I got a little riddle for you. What happens when boy doesn't get what he wants? I don't know. I I have a hunch. Hunch? Is that my hunch you're talking about, Maurice? Oh, no, no, no. I take it back. Back? No, hunch Uh, back? uh, You bring a kid in here? You tell him our secrets? 
my horn! If you can't get him, I will. So we now know that Boy wants something to do with Brian. He wants to play with him. We don't know exactly what that is, but we know that it's integral to everything that's going on. Uh, Also, it was kind of Maurice's job to convince Brian to stay down in the underworld and become a monster. It wasn't that way at first, but after kind of seeing him and him being brought into the underworld, that's where it wanted to go, especially since, you know, again, he was one person that was able to actually capture one of the monsters from below. Back in the real world, uh, Brian is woken up by his mom and she says that Eric has been taken. So it's safe to assume that even though, and there is a scene, it's relatively funny, uh, all of the beds in the house, basically they've all been sawed down so nobody can get in, no monsters can get in, except for the sofa bed that they have in the living room. So Snake over here, he's able to actually unfold the entire sofa bed and then come into the house and steal Eric. Uh, So... Brian, he decides that, hey, I need to get some help together, and he goes out and he recruits Todd, who first is a little wary that because he thinks that Brian is a monster, and he tries to explain, no, I'm not, but I could turn into one, and we have to save Eric, which gets him on board, and then he goes over to the girl he likes house, and he needs to get her key because he needs to get all the lights that are over there. And then they explain the plan. And of course, it doesn't quite go the way that... Well, I think that they actually have the reaction that I would have if somebody told me about this plan. Hi, Kirsten. Brian, what's wrong? I know you're not going to believe it, but um, I need some help on my science project. Is this some sort of prank? No, I'm serious. Look, I need your key to get into the supply room. It's an emergency. I need some lights. Do you expect me to believe that? Defies every rule known to the scientific mind. Oh, so you don't believe me? Watch this. Holy shit! Amazing! Yeah, so what he does is he lifts up the bed again and it just stays up there and he jumps underneath and that causes her to say, holy shit. So Kirsten over here can say... Holy shit, but Maurice constantly has to say fucking caca. Can stupid shit like that really drive me crazy? So they go into the underworld and they go and basically cause everybody to shrink down into just their clothes because they keep hitting them with a flashlight and then leaving the flashlights on the bodies, leaving a wave of little monster bodies just left to fry under those lights until the batteries die out. They end up going up Boy's stairs, and then they finally confront Boy. And within the last 30 minutes of the movie, we finally get to meet the true boss of this video, I mean, of this movie. Brian Stevenson. The real boy wonder. What a pleasure it is to finally make your acquaintance. Where's Eric? And you brought some little playmates along with you. How nice. Are they as tactful and fleet-footed as yourself? I dare say they don't look it. I want my brother! Now, Brian, what sort of a greeting is that? After all, we are so much alike. If you stay, you'll be the one in charge of yourself. Perhaps this whole world in time. 
You'll be the one with the power. The authority. Not your parents, not your teachers. You. <laughs> now, Brian, isn't that what you want? Brian, why such cruelty? You're a very unique individual, Brian. Your feet's unprecedented here. Why, I can scarcely remember the last time one of our little breed had been trapped. Not once, but, but numerous times. So he shows Eric up against a wall and, and threatens him some more. He throws a couple things against uh, Eric, almost hitting him, and basically kind of threatening that he's going to kill him. This causes Brian and the crew to turn on their big flashlight, like shotguns, and to shine it on Boy's face which in turn causes him to unleash his toy army with these tanks that pack a hell of a punch. And so they're all firing on him, and eventually Brian gets upstairs, tries to find his brother, but is confronted once again by Snick and Boy. Now, as bad as this is, this is the point where this film scared the living shit out of me. And looking at it now... I was such a fucking pussy. Like, (laughs) there is no reason that I should be afraid of this. I thought this was worse as as a kid than looking at it now. How the hell I'm actually afraid of this as a kid, I will never fucking know. Because looking at the mask of the transformed boy, it is so terrible. But I remember being one of the worst and scariest things. And I couldn't watch the movie anymore. I didn't want to watch it. And now I watch it and I'm like, man, this is this is so pitiful. It is so dumb. Why am I so afraid of this? But hey, at least the reveal was somewhat entertaining. Hi! Are you looking for your brother? Well, we've got him! Ah! <laughs> I had hoped we could be friends, Brian. But evidently, you don't play fair. Boy, I haven't even begun to Let play. Let go! Show Brian to his room. Good lord, it's basically like a really shitty hand puppet. It's not even like an animatronic type of thing or like a mask or anything like that. It is the worst fucking thing that you will see in a movie for kids that's meant to scare... You know what? It fucking worked. Okay, it scared the living crap out of me as a kid. But looking at it again, I just... I laugh. This is the big bad guy. This is the big reveal. He hasn't been in this movie at all, and all of a sudden he shows up. And I get why he's called Boy, because he looks like he's a man-boy, okay? Like, 
he want they want to get somebody that maybe could look like perpetually a young boy, but he doesn't really. He just dresses like a schoolboy, like you'd find in Europe somewhere, some maybe somewhere in England or something like that, like way back in the day. Maybe not now, but it's just weird. And I'm not. I still can't believe that I was so afraid of this. So they throw him down to a pit where there's just a bunch of stuffed animals and. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being the stuffed animals for the rest of your life. I guess if you're going to become a monster, maybe not. So he's down there. Everybody else is Todd, Kirsten, and even Maurice is down there. And they have to try to figure a way out. And they really don't know how to do it. And so Kristen, she comes up with this plan to... Okay, this is one of the dumbest fucking plans. How is this physically possible? Oh, I've got two pencils. Let's take that telephone. And it's one of those old telephones where you crank the knob and then it dials the operator and they're on the other side. Oh, 10-5-9er, good buddy. Uh, who are you trying to call? Oh, I'm trying to call Maurice on 2-5-4-3-2. Okay, I'll put you through. Like, that's the type of old school phone lines that there was. Like, they, it's just there. And she's able to wire it to the end of two pencils, and then have Todd, well, you know, Brian's holding the pencils, Todd's spinning the damn, like, hand on the phone so fast, and then it generates enough light to basically turn Maurice into clothes so they can get him under the door, and just like me, the reaction that Maurice has to this is one of disbelief until it actually happens, and... Honestly, this is probably the scene that I laughed out the most at. Faster time! Go, go, go! Go, go, go! Faster! I'm trying! It's the first! You don't succeed! Try! Try! So that causes him to go down into his clothes. They keep the light going so they can shove him under the door. Maurice is able to let everybody out after a fake out, of course. And then we have them go back over to the supply closet, go rob more stuff from the school to do whatever they're doing, basically to make new suits to try the level over again. And then they put all the lights on them and have these like giant light suits so when they get back in there and they bring ronnie along this time to help them out why because somebody has to do the battery can't be maurice well i guess it kind of can't because maybe he's gonna get burned to death or whatever so they do the lights and basically cause snick to explode and boy to turn into his clothes but then the clothes catch on fire because i guess the light is that bright it also managed to blow up all the other little tanks and airplanes and the other people that were there that were helping out and so now that the threat is gone they go looking for eric and they find him in one of the -the jack-in-the-boxes that's at the top and we get a surprise comeback from snick only to be taken out by maurice Eric! 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 Eric!
give you a minute. Great. Coleman, you think you can take him? No way! Looks like there's no way out! <laughs> Oops. Who is that guy? <laughs> hey, Snake! How about a light, bud? So, for some reason, Maurice has a flamethrower, and the light from the fire doesn't do anything to him, and I guess it has to either be flashlights or fucking sunlight. Come on, really? You say lights. Of course he does say maybe light a candle or something. Okay, uh, maybe I can give him that. So if he sets shit on fire, he can hang out in the fire. Why hasn't he set anything on fire before if he can fucking be in there? Like, that would really fuck with the kid's life. Look, I'm going to burn down your fucking house. That's trouble. So, he saves the day. He burns down Snake, who happens to die at this point, I guess. He was able to blow up and come back together. Like, this is big trouble in little China or some shit like that. So... They go and they realize that they only have now a couple of, well, seconds left before it becomes daylight from where they're at. And if it becomes daylight, then they're going to be locked in the underworld. So when they get to the top of the stairs, it basically becomes straight wood and they can't get through. So they think, how can we get out from underneath this underworld? And what they decide to do is that, look, we're going to go running. So they go running through the sets and basically kind of just... The same thing over and over again with just street signs up in the fucking, like, uh, shots here and there. And that allows them to go and go into different states where the time zones are different. Because it's not quite dark yet, or not quite light, I should say. It's still dark. So, they finally arrive at the one exit that they can get out, and it happens to be in... (sighs) California. Like, really? Do we have to end... Every Fred Savage movie in California for some reason? Wait. Things are starting to get a little hazy here. I'm from California. My name is Brian. And... I don't remember my real parents. I'm pretty sure that this is all just something that I'm just remembering and regressing. And I'll keep regressing over time. But... Uh, we get everybody basically helped out from underneath a sleeping bum, uh, which happens to be a makeshift bed, I guess. And then we have the heartfelt goodbye between Maurice and Brian before the end of the movie. I wish I could stay. You'd be a hero down here. Maurice, my arm. I mean, it turned to clothes last night. Don't worry about that. You sleep that off. Nothing's permanent unless you get trapped down here, bud. Yeah. But, uh, I suppose you gotta get up there because you're gonna get married pretty soon. Married? To who? Light ball bread. <laughs> oh, Kirsten? Friends. Yeah. Well, I guess that's what it's all about, huh? Yeah. 
I guess. You know what? He was the best friend I've ever had. You're the ugliest friend I ever had. <laughs> but you belong up there. Come on. I'm gonna miss you, Maurice. I really am. Let's go, Brian. The sun's coming up. There's no way I'm running to Hawaii. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, no, please. Uh, just relax. Get another one. How else are you gonna remember me anyway? Good riddance, fuckface. I'm glad that you're gone. Don't fucking cry over him. You got his fucking jacket. Now you can go and live your life free in fucking California all by yourself with your brother, your hot side chick. Well, I don't want to say hot, but your little side chick over here and your two brand new best friends in the world. So what the hell, man? Uh, So I guess that's kind of a heartfelt goodbye Maybe that's him getting rid of the trouble side of him, realizing that he's got to start growing up and being a regular kid and learning to listen to what his mom and dad said. Because, you know what? Pretty much, they know what's going on. But then again, what? Um, Yeah, like I said, good riddance, fuckface. So, we see them run out into the beach and into the water, and... Again, here's where one of my favorite bands of all time, Talking Heads, begins to play. And as they play, we kind of get faked out because that seems like that's going to be the end of the movie. But instead of having some like type of stinger thing in the credits, we end up getting them have some type of resolution to Dad uh, being separated from Mom. And with a phone call, with them calling back to their parents to tell them that they're in California... Then the music continues to play. We're shown some pretty shitty stills uh, highlighting parts of the movie. It doesn't even. It's highlighting him in the fucking phone booth. And then him and Maurice and him and Maurice. Or I think Maurice and then him and Maurice. Or whatever the fuck it is. This movie ends. I'm fucking done with it. I'm glad Maurice is gone. Let's just enjoy the fucking music. Are they all right? Are you all right? Yeah, we're fine. Oh, they're all right. Thank God. Hey, well, t- tell them I'm here. Look, Dad's here. They're right where you are. Where are they? Where are you? Malibu. They're in Malibu. Malibu? Massachusetts? Where the hell is that? Where the hell is that? California. California. California? How the hell did they get there? What on earth are you doing there? Um, it's kind of a long story.
and that was Little Monsters. So, wow. Um, it's worse than I remember. I remember really liking this film as a kid, and maybe there was a little bit of a nostalgic blinder behind me to like enjoy parts of this movie. It's still not like completely terrible, okay? But there are a lot of things that they try to teach the kids through the movie, basically, that you should be listening to your parents. They know what's best. Uh, even though they're not perfect, They, you still need to kind of find the rules and regulation of society. You can't just be uh, a straight out troublemaker that doesn't bring anything positive to society or you're going to turn into a monster that nobody's going to want to look at and it's going to be forgotten about later on maybe that's not exactly it but fuck it that's what i got from this fucking movie um but you can also kind of be yourself but still also follow the rules uh at the same time just kind of like he did because he was very creative with the stuff he did uh and creating all the electrical stuff even kirsten at one point when he created those flashlights she's like how come you do this and do such bad grades well because he doesn't doesn't like put himself forward he's okay with just being that type of guy and maybe he's learned at this point he's not that type of person so overall what do I give this film? I have absolutely zero out of five on the gore. Because it really isn't anything. Unless you consider Snake ripping off the head of the one kid. But there's no blood or anything. And then he puts a pumpkin head back on it. And it's done for comedy purposes. So, eh. You can just leave it as a zero. Crap Factor. Um, it's a four out of five. And you know why it's a four out of five? I originally marked it as a three. And then I thought about it. And really... It's it's a four because Howie Mandel is just too much. Like I said, it's just a low rent Beetlejuice. He's doing the same things. You can watch comparisons of them together side by side, and you would totally see that that's exactly the same character, just kind of dumbed down for kids. Also, the fact that they choose to use certain types of language with people, but yet others don't use it. The sets for the underworld. All they do is they put, like, flying fucking fairies on top of it. On all these fucking dingy-ass stairs and ladders and everything like that. It's not magical. There's nothing special about it. It's just dumb. Like, I wish it could have been so much better, so much more imaginative. And I, I just don't get it. And then the whole thing with the parents, like... If there was something that was directly affected, like if what they were doing directly affected what his parents were going through, great. Maybe at that point, you know, the trouble that he's getting into and everything, it is affecting their lives and that he is responsible and he realizes that, hey, you know what, I'm putting so much pressure and stress on my parents that maybe I need to let things up because they're having a hard time. I'm not saying that you needed to teach kids that sometimes... You know, maybe things that they do don't help, right? And it actually increases the amount of problems that are going on because even though you don't realize that they're going through the mess they're going through, what you're doing is also putting a negative strain on whatever strain that they already have on the relationship. So, you know, there could have been a message like that. I don't know, but it just doesn't seem to fit. Just totally get rid of it and just focus on him going into the underworld and you'll be fine and then fun factor i'm gonna give this a two because it still had moments that were fun but even looking back it just 
Howie Mandel is so fucking annoying. Maurice is the worst, one of the worst fucking characters. Like, I thought it was much better than it was, and maybe it's because I was so into Beetlejuice when I was a kid, maybe when I shouldn't have been watching it, but really feeling like this has that type of connection to it that, hey, maybe it's not as bad. And there were parts that were kind of funny that he did, but for the most part, like, I really waited for him to get off the screen. And he didn't show up until about a half an hour into it, and then he was there for way too fucking long. I'm glad that he just left him, give him his jacket, get the fuck off the stage. So overall, uh, I give this two out of five lumps of dirty laundry being thrown in the face. Like, it's just... Should you watch it, you know what, for the nostalgic factor, maybe watch it if you've seen it before. If you haven't watched it, watch it. You know, I I think it's something that you should still experience and see what maybe turned Howie Mandel into the, you know, germaphobe that he is today. So, we, we could have done a lot better, I think, with this film, but... I just, you know, it is a kid's film. It may be, I, I still don't know if it would actually be rated as a kid's film nowadays. Um, and it definitely affected my kid brain, you know, to where I really liked it. But now I just don't know why I did. And that's for a lot of things. There are some things I think that should be left with nostalgic filters and you shouldn't go back to it. And this is definitely one of those films. So, continuing with the theme... And I do want to say this as well. You're going to get a couple, you're going to get a bonus episode next month because I'm doing something with a group of uh, podcasters. Uh, and there's a lot that you know. We're all getting together and we're all doing classic Universal monster movies. Now, the regular podcast will come out before that, but that'll come out shortly afterwards. And I'll talk more about it as we get closer. Uh, or, or when the next episode uh, airs, for, so who are you going to check out, who you're going to go, and how you're going to follow along, because we're all kind of doing this in a specific order, um, so that way everybody can listen and we can help promote everybody. Also, there's two podcasts that you want you to check out, besides, of course, uh, this, you know, old episodes, if you're just getting into this podcast. But I did two different podcasts, one with the Back in Time podcast where we talked about Sleepaway Camp, which was a ton of fun with JD and Kyle. I'm going to have to bring them over onto this podcast. Uh, And it was funny because listening to one of the episodes beforehand, uh, the preview episode for Sleepaway Camp, he was talking about, Kyle was, uh, on how much Little Monsters was one of his favorite films. And then here I am doing it almost exactly after. Uh, the other one is, if you want to hear me not talk about horror at all, and I advertise both of these, but check out Dave's uh, Pop Culture Podcast, and that was recently on an episode, I think if it's episode 16, where we just kind of talked about everything in living color. I gave a little more history of how I came to do this podcast, and why I do it and how I do it the way that I do it. If you're interested in hearing that, it's really weird. I felt like I was being interviewed and I've never really been interviewed for anything. And I had such a fun time on both podcasts that you really should check it out. And I hope I didn't come across as pretentious on either one of them. Tell me if I did, okay? Because I really didn't intend to. Uh, But I had a ton of fun. Ton, a ton of fun. So please go and check them out. Uh, you can also follow this podcast, of course, on Twitter, T underscore T underscore podcast, Facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast, Instagram, Terrible Terror Podcast, 
horror amino i need to do more with that i kind of let that slide for a little bit i'm trying to do more with facebook and with uh instagram so please bear with me while i try to actually create media content when it's just me doing everything i suck at it i know um and then what are we watching for next time okay so this leads into that and i almost forgot to do the trailer and everything but we're still going to be talking about movies that fucked with me when i was a kid and one man is single-handedly responsible for a couple of films that messed with me as a kid that were not meant to be like totally scary this was actually billed as a kid's horror film family-friendly horror film uh, and it comes from Jim Henson's workshop. That's right. comes from Jim Henson himself. And there were three movies that he did that really screwed with me as a young kid. Uh, Labyrinth with the ne- bog of never-ending stench. Okay. Always mess with me. And, of course, David Bowie and his codpiece. Uh, then you had The Dark Crystal, which is a fantastic film but those weird bug things that they used, oh, those always used to mess with me. But the worst offender out of all of them, and I love this movie to death, and I'm so afraid that I am going to get little monstered on this one. But it is The Witches. From the incredible imagination of Jim Henson and director Nicholas Rogue comes a fascinating new fantasy adventure. The Witches. For when a little boy accidentally stumbles into their secret world, he finds they've got a lot more power than he ever imagined. Grandma, it's me, Luke. They turned me into a mouse. Oh, my. It was the Grand High Witch. Join Luke on his remarkable journey. Bye. Now, the witches are on his tail. Whoa. And he must scurry around their evil plots. Oh. Squeak past every danger. Oh. Finally setting the trap what? What? that will save the world from the witches. You are in for a treat. We must stop them. Man, the puppets for the mouse look a lot worse than I remember based upon the trailer. Um, But I think it's going to be a very fun time. It is available for streaming on Amazon Prime and iTunes. And uh, I think there's one other that that it's uh, YouTube. You can rent it. If you're lucky enough, I believe there is a way to stream it for free on YouTube, uh, but you have to do a little bit of soul-searching when you go there. Um, But that's probably going to be your best bet uh, if you don't want to rent or if you don't own the movie. But definitely, I think that's a film that you should watch before we do this episode of the podcast. Um, Angelica Houston, I love her to death. I've loved her you know, in the Addams Family movies. and just as an actress in general, uh, and I remember in The Witches, uh, it was one of my favorite parts of this movie was her in it. So it is a family horror movie. It's got some really creepy imagery, uh, especially when it comes down to the witches in general. Uh, but we'll go through it. We'll talk through it. Uh, and it should be 
uh, a very fun episode to do. And I hope it's not like this where I really feel like maybe I shouldn't shit on it. But we'll, we'll find out what happens when we watch the, watch the witches. So um, until next time, of course, go ahead and uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Google Play, all those places that you can find the podcast out there. Thanks again uh, to Dave and Dave Pop Culture Podcast, as well as JD and Kyle from Back in Time for having me on their pod. And I will see you next time. See ya.